The following message by Pastor Tim is brought to you by Together in Christ. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 36. We were there this morning. That's where we'll be again. One of the difficulties, I think, of trying to preach on something like God's glory and looking at it in the transfiguration. I mean, we can, can study it and can understand it and write out something, but almost feel you need to be more poetic to get it across. Uh, you know, you, I want to get everyone to understand what this is, the glory of the Lord and how special it is and how exciting how exciting it is, but yet feel limited by my vocabulary, feel limited by my excitement, just feel limited by, I guess, my, my manhood in, in some way. And I, I really wish I could get it across. I'm glad I'm going to be able to touch on it in the morning and tonight. Maybe we can do a, a little bit better um, tonight with it. Because it's an amazing thing to think about the glory of God and the fact that he just radiates holiness. His holiness just, just radiates from him. And just the spectacularness of it is really astounding. And so I would encourage you to not just uh, listen to me, but there's people a lot more eloquent than me out there who, who preach on these things. I would give you names if you wanted them, if you came to me, uh, that I like to listen to or, or like to read. Um, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Well, let's try to uh, recap. Let's, let's read first. Let's do that. And then we'll, we'll recap a little bit of this morning so that we can propel ourselves into tonight's message. Uh, Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 28. It says, Now it came to pass, about eight days after these sayings, that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. And his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter, uh, but let me see, sorry. But Peter and those with him were heavy and was sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. We'll probably cover a little bit of what we covered this morning just out of necessity, but what I, what I want us to do tonight is I want us to focus on those who were present for this, for the transfiguration, the discussion that took place. We're also going to talk about the new exodus and then also uh, that we are transformed as believers, which to be honest, I stole a little of that this morning, just I guess out of excitement. I was supposed to leave that for tonight and I managed to say it this morning. Uh, which was frustrating afterwards, but it's what happened. 
When we look at those who are present, this is where we're going to have to recap a little bit of tonight or of this morning. You remember we talked about the Old Testament and we looked at all the examples in the Old Testament where the glory of the Lord was present. And so we see with Israel, right, that uh, the glory of the Lord led them in the in the wilderness by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud during the day. And they would they would look upon the Lord and know we are going exactly where the Lord wants us to go because there his glory shines and there it leads us to where we need to be. And then uh, we saw with Moses how Moses would go and ask of the Lord to see his glory and how the Lord would grant him that. But just a just a portion of that. And then how Moses would write the law out on the tablets and spend 40 days and 40 nights up on the mountain. And then when he would come down from the mountain after being with the Lord, how his face would just shine because of the glory of the Lord and how the people would ask him to veil his face. But when he would then go into uh, the tent of meeting, every time he would go into the tent of meeting with the, with the Lord and speak to the Lord, his face would shine again when he would come out and tell what the Lord had said. And then he would veil his face again because the glory of the Lord shone on his face. Also in the tabernacle, we saw that the, that the glory of the Lord would descend on the tabernacle and be present in the tabernacle. So once again, as Israel would camp out in the wilderness, uh, in the center there is the, is the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord filling uh, the tabernacle so that there was no doubt that God was amongst them, that God was with them. Later in Israel's history, it was the temple when Solomon would see the temple that he'd built for the Lord be filled with uh, the glory of the Lord that would lead him to then say, the heavens can't even contain your glory, let alone this house that I've built. Because he understood the magnitude and the greatness of the glory of the Lord. And then Elijah would see the glory of the Lord and he would hear the voice of the Lord. But he would hear it, remember, in a whisper. It wasn't in the big things that happened. It wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in the, it wasn't in the fire. It wasn't in all these things. It was in the, it was in the quietness of a still, small voice. But yet still the, the power of it caused Elijah to what? To, to veil his face when he would hear the Lord in a whisper. <clears throat> As you continue on, we then we got to what was one of the sadder scenes that we would see in the Old Testament that Ezekiel would witness in chapter 10 and chapter 11 of Ezekiel, the glory of the Lord leaving the temple because of the idol worship that was taking place in the temple. And so the glory of the Lord would depart and Ezekiel would see it step by step by step until it would disappear into the mountains. And then we talked about how for 600 years that was the case. The glory of the Lord not seen until the birth of Christ. And all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord shines around the shepherds in the field. And the angels would say, right, glory to God in the highest. Because Jesus was born. He was God's glory. And so we focused on that this morning about Jesus and the glory of God and how it was shown again, how we don't have to look into a cloud. We don't have to look into a fire. No, we look into the face of Jesus Christ, our Savior, to see God's glory. And we see it in his word because Jesus was the word made flesh. <clears throat> but I want to dive into this passage more tonight. And again, first, I want to look at those who are present and ask the question, why these guys? Why are they here? We have Moses, we have Elijah, we have Jesus, we have Peter, we have James, and we have John. Before I dive into them individually, I want us to notice something first that I think is important. I hope I can speak to this well. Have you ever wondered... How did they know that was Moses and Elijah? Ever crossed your mind? They didn't have pictures, right? There was no way for them to know what they looked like. 
Maybe there was an oral history, I don't know, that was passed down to get some sort of idea, but there was no doubt in their minds that it was Moses and that it was Elijah. And there's something that's special, I think, in that. And in the way that God has created you and the way that God has created man, you, you've got to know God created you and you are you and God has created you. And you might say, I can't wait to get to heaven until I'm this new thing. I'm going to be this new person. No, God's created you and he's created you eternally, eternally. Moses was still Moses. Elijah was still Elijah. Now there was something a little special about them in this instance because the glory of God shone around them as well, right? But that's who they were. And so God created you and that should hopefully make you feel good. Now, some of you might thought, man, I wanted to be a little different. I would have liked to look a little different or sound a little different, whatever the case might be. But no, God created you purposefully and he created you eternally. And he's created all people eternally. And that's the sad truth is that some people eternally will be destroyed. And then for those who've been saved by his grace, eternally will be glorifying God in heaven. So I just wanted to point that out first before we dive into this. So first, let's look at Moses. The reason Moses is there is because Moses was the prophet that looked forward. He was the prophet that looked forward to Christ. And we see that all in the Old Testament. Moses represents the law here, right? We said he went up onto the mountain and he, he wrote the law and he brought it down. And that's when his face when he carried with him the law that God had told him for Israel to live by. The covenant with Moses that was made. Moses had that in his hands. And so up on this mountain during the transfiguration, Moses is there because that is what he represents. He represents the law. But not only that, Moses was one of the very few individuals who talked with God. He had talked with God, we see in the Old Testament. He would, he would talk to God regularly in the tent of meeting. And then also, as we mentioned earlier, he had the privilege to see the glory of God. He saw the glory of God on that mountain when God would hide him and say, you can just see my backside as I pass by. And so this is a special thing of, of Moses that we don't see with many other people in the Old Testament. And then also, when you look at the death of Moses, nobody knows where Moses was buried. Nobody even really knows when Moses died. It was just, he was not allowed to enter the promised land. And it says that God actually buried Moses. So there was no place for the people to go to to say this is where Moses laid. It wasn't like that. So there was this mis- there's this mystery left in Scripture of the death of Moses and then where he is laid. But here present is Moses looking forward to Christ and representing the law. The second person is Elijah. Elijah is there and he represents the prophets, the great prophets. And Elijah proclaimed Christ. So Moses looked forward, but Elijah proclaimed it. He proclaimed that the Christ would come, that the Savior would come. Elijah, as well as Moses, would talk with God, as we talked about this morning. God would talk to him and say, go out on the mount. And then he would whisper to him and he would speak to him. And so Elijah had this privilege of being able to talk with God and to see his glory pass by, it says in scripture. So Elijah as well saw the glory of God pass by. And then also his death is kind of fascinating. Also, if you study the Old Testament, it says he was taken into heaven. The Lord, the Lord took him into heaven. And so these are some interesting things of why I think Moses and Elijah then are present. 
And so we have, again, Moses who looked forward, Elijah who proclaimed, and then we have Jesus who revealed, who revealed God's glory. He was the fulfillment of all things. He is the fulfillment of all things. When you look at Moses, I don't know, I don't remember, I don't think it says who was standing where. No, it just says they were talking to each other. But you have Moses on one side of Jesus, and Jesus has completely fulfilled the law that Moses would bring down to Israel from the Lord. He's completely fulfilled it. He, he stands in our place when it comes to the law. I mean, Jesus himself would say, I, I didn't come to destroy the law. I didn't come to, to get rid of Moses and say he's not important anymore. No, I came to actually fulfill absolutely everything that the law has to say. And so he, he fulfills what Moses stood for and what Moses was there for. He also fulfills what Elijah proclaimed and what the prophets proclaimed of the coming Messiah, of the Christ, of the Savior. He is the one that the prophets were waiting for. He was the one that the prophets continued to tell people about. And so here you see really a, a wrap-up of everything that needed to happen in Christ. Fully God, fully man, in the flesh, on the mountain, now being glorified for the last of the characters that are on the mountain, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John, I'm, I'm sure you're aware, were the inner circle of Jesus, right? He, were, he was his, his close friends. And if you go into the New Testament and you look at the church, you look at the history of the church, these were some very important people in the life of the church, Peter, James, and John. Scripture was written by them. Church was led by them. I don't think it was by accident that these three were the one that Jesus would take with him up on the mountain to see what was about to take place. See, they had that great privilege of being able to see this unfold and the, and the glory of the Lord shining on that mountain. And though they were fearful, they, they had the privilege of seeing it. And don't you think, wouldn't you imagine that on those days in Peter's life when he was maybe facing death because of his faith or, or as John was writing out scripture or his whatever, whatever they were facing, don't you think their minds had to go to this at times? Oh, remember that time on the mountain? Oh, I remember it. You ain't got to tell me. Yeah, I remember that. How it probably often sustained them and grew them and transformed even them. So we see who was present on the mountain, but let's look at the discussion that takes place. Verse 30. It says, And behold, two men talked with him, who are Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease which was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Of all of the discussions that could have took place, think about it. Moses, this is Moses' first time ever stepping into the promised land. <laughs> all of his wanderings, all of his dealings, all of his trying to get Israel into the promised land, and God would not allow him to enter into the promised land because of some sin. And so for the very first time, he is in the promised land. He doesn't talk about it. That's not the discussion that's taking place. It isn't, man, look how beautiful this is. Look how good God is to allow us to have this land. No, that's not what's being talked about. What's being talked about very openly is the fact that Jesus was getting ready to die. The cross. The cross is what is on the mind of Moses, Elijah, Elijah and Jesus. And this is what they are talking about. And the reason that the cross is what is being talked about, it is because the cross is what matters. 
That's what matters the most. Listen, we can get lost in all kinds of things in the life of the church, and there are worthy things to talk about. We should talk about them. But what matters the most, and Paul would say this as well, is the cross. Where do you stand on the cross? What does the cross mean? What did Jesus do on the cross? What is the cross for? That's what's important. And that is what Moses, the law, represented, Elijah, the prophets, looking forward to him. What does it all come down to? The cross. Jesus fulfilling that on the cross, his death and his resurrection. The cross conquers sin, conquers death, conquers hell, conquers the grave. And that is what is important. That is the talk that is on their lips. I do want to point out, they didn't argue about which hymn they might sing after. Please notice that especially getting ready to form this team, okay? Pray for me, please. But speaking of worship, what comes next? I mentioned this a little this morning. Some fault Peter what he said here, right? He says, let me build a tabernacle. Peter, like I said earlier, Peter realized this is magnificent and the only thing I know to do is worship. And so Peter opens his mouth and he says, we need to worship. So let me build three tabernacles and let us, let us worship here. Something, something exciting is happening here. And so you have, you have Moses, you have Elijah, you have Jesus talking about the cross. And then you have Peter coming in, realizing that something just amazing is happening. And he says, we need to be worshiping. Me, James, and John can't really have part of that discussion, but we can worship. But you'll notice that Peter gets cut off. Peter gets cut off because in verse 34, it says, while he was saying this. So while the words are coming out of Peter's mouth, a cloud comes and overshadows everything. And they walk into the cloud. And what they hear next is they hear the voice of the father saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. You see, God cuts off Peter. And the reason that he cuts off Peter is because Peter was making a grave mistake. I didn't mention it this morning, but the grave mistake that Peter was making was this. Moses does not deserve worship. Elijah does not deserve worship. Only Jesus deserves worship. Moses is a man. Elijah is a man. Jesus is the God man. And so he alone is worthy of worship. He alone is worthy of praise. And that's an important part. It took God the Father to, to shut Peter up, but Peter needed to be shut up because while he had great intentions, listen, I don't question his heart at all. I don't question it at all, but it was misguided and it was wrong. Only Christ deserves this worship and only Christ deserves this praise. I think it's interesting how God the father appears. He appears as a cloud. And really it harkens back to the very first Exodus, how he would lead as a, in the cloud during the day. And so your mind has to go back to that situation. And then he would cut Peter off and realizing that Jesus is the central figure. But he would also say, listen to him. And again, we talked about this this morning. But he says, listen to him because he is the word of God. He is the truth. 
There's all kinds of passages that you could go to. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 7, 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and, cr- stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, come to me all who, are la- who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These are the things that the father was saying, hear him, hear him, take his yoke upon you. His burden is easy, it's light. You can find rest in him, hear him. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Hear him, don't hear the other voices. Hear Jesus. That's what the father would proclaim. That is what the father would tell Peter, James, and John. Again, of all the things that God could speak at that moment. He says, hear him. Listen to him, my son, and everything he says and everything he does. I mentioned the Exodus. What we see here is a new Exodus. We see the new Exodus taking place because in this we see Jesus as the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, as I already mentioned. And he is the true exodus to the true promised land. This is what Israel sought, right? A land flowing with milk and honey where the Lord would lead them, where the Lord would guide them. But Jesus is the new exodus. He is the answer to that. And it's only through him that you can be found in the promised land. This message is for the disciples who are on that mountain, but it's also for us today. They got to witness it with their eyes, We get to witness it in the word of God. We get to behold it in the word of God. Jesus, as mentioned this morning, is the glory of God fully revealed. When we look upon the face of Christ, we see God's glory no longer hidden from us. Not hidden in a cloud, not hidden in fire. No, we get to look upon the face of Christ and see God's glory. Turn your Bibles with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. Probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 1. I really think this sums up what I'm trying to say. It says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Verse three, we read this morning. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus is the glory of God fully revealed. That's what the writer is saying here. We, know, we have no need to look anywhere else. We have no need to go to God and say, God, please 
Just show me your glory. God, God, you know, you'll hear this in some churches. God, just rain down your glory on us today. He already has in Christ. He already has in Christ. And if you're a believer, if you've been saved by God's grace, the glory lives in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we say leaves us and then comes back. No, it sustains us. It makes us. And that's what gets to the final point tonight, that we are transforming, that the, that the glory of God is transforming us as believers. And this is where I kind of seeped in this morning. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. And here's the key, but be transformed. The same word that's used in Luke with transfiguration. It's the same word. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. But then also in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and verse 18, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I hope this is good news to you tonight. That the same word that is used here is the same word that is used in the transfiguration. That the same glory that is shining about Jesus is the exact same glory that day by day, minute by minute, is changing you and I to be in the image of Christ, our Savior. That's really a miraculous thing for me to think about. It's an amazing thing to think that for some reason, the God of the universe who created all things would impart on me glory to change my life so that I can be more like his son. Wow. I don't deserve that. I mean, I, I try to think of how, how can I even compare that to something on earth? And this is the weakest thing that I could probably think of, but it's, it's as if you get to sit under the world's best coach for whatever it is you like. And you say, even if I can just sit in your class, I don't even have to take your class. Just let me, just let me sit and maybe soak some of it up. Soaks just some of it up so that I can gain just a, a little bit more to understand the way you think or the, the way that, that you process things or, or, the, or how good you are and how, how you do that. Just, just let me taste of it a little bit. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? You know, if you're an athlete, you just, you want to have the best coaches. Did you know parents today are paying for eight-year-olds to have strength coaches? Paying for them to have agility coaches? When Jackson was in ninth grade baseball, they were telling me, you've got to get him a speed coach. You're crazy. I'm not paying another dime. I give you enough money. He's slow. We get it. Well, he's, he's changed now. He's very fast without a coach. But what I'm saying is, what, what are they saying? They're saying, maybe if he sits and he listens, he, he can get better. He can, he can grow. And the, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting better. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with growing. But what I'm saying is, we have the glory of God being imparted in our life to change us, to grow us, to make us better, to mold us and shape us into his image. There's nothing better than that. You could sit under the best preaching in the world. It's not going to do that for you. Only the glory of God. 
Only the power of the Spirit can do that. The same power that changes Moses' face changes us. With the Holy Spirit indwelling us as believers, we get to have his glory in our life. The glory that led Israel in the desert leads you and I today. It's the same glory. The glory that went before Elijah and would speak softly, oftentimes still speaks softly to you and I today. All of this is true for those of us who've been saved by God's grace through Christ. It's a wonderful gift that we mustn't take advantage of, but that we should sit under, right? That we should listen to. And I know it gets old hearing it because it gets old for me to say it. It gets old for me to think it in my own mind. But that's why it's so important for you to be in God's word every day. Because that is where you get to witness God's glory. It's what he uses to change your heart and your life. And you say, yeah, but I'm so busy. You mean you're too busy to bask in the glory of God? Think about that. And I'm speaking to Tim because I say this all the time. If I'm being quite honest, I'm about, I'm about four days behind on my Bible reading plan right now. And we're what, January 19th? That's a bad ratio, okay? But just being honest with you to, to just lay it out there. You're too busy to sit and hear my word that I've given you to lead you, to guide you, to show you my love for you, to strengthen you, to uphold you, to let you get through the day without falling apart and breaking and being destroyed. I think we should say thank you God for your grace thank you God for your glory thank you for not changing even when we change but continually pushing us on well I want to pray together so if you would let's bow together let's pray God I feel extremely inadequate trying to preach the transfiguration trying to preach and use the words to describe your glory. God, it's something I feel we just take for granted. It's something that we, we treat as if it's a feeling that can come and go and that a service is really good when maybe we feel we just experienced your glory this morning. God, forgive us of that because that's, that's not true. And I, I know I fall into that too. And so God, we seek forgiveness in that. Because God, it's very clear. Your glory is something that indwells in us through the power of the Holy Spirit that is daily changing us. And God, I thank you for that. God, I, I don't want to be controlled by my flesh. I, I don't want to continue to struggle with the things that I, can, I struggle with, it seems, day by day. I, I want to be changed. And the only way that that can happen is through your power. And so God, I, I pray that you would continue to change me Help me to grow in my walk with you. God, I, I seem to try on my own so often and I fail. God, I need you to do that for me. And so God, I thank you that you are. I thank you that you do. I'm thankful that I can look back to years ago and see growth. Maybe not as much as I wish or that I had hoped, but God, I can see growth. And I don't say that as bragging about me. I say that as bragging on you. And so, God, I pray that as a church, you would continue to mold us and to make us into your image, into 
your glory and to your likeness, to focus on the things that you would have us to focus on, to be centered on your word and on the truth of your word, to be preaching and teaching the, the cross and the gospel to everybody that we have opportunity. Help us to be encouraging each other within the body of Christ, to lift each other up, to love each other, to be there for each other when we need it. God, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for the images that we have in scripture. God, help us to live as if your glory is in our life. Help us to reflect any glory that's given to us in our life to you because you're the one that's worthy of it. Help us to continually be praising you. I pray that it would always be quick on the end of our tongue to mention your goodness to us. And I know I fall short of that sometimes, so I pray that we would be people that are always thanking you verbally, out loud, for what you've done in our lives. God, as we get ready to walk out of this building, I do pray that you would empower us, that you would make us bold, that you would make us courageous for the sake of the gospel. God, I pray that we would be willing this week to sacrifice time, uh, to sacrifice efforts for members within the church, to show them love, uh, to unify us. God, to be there for one another. God, I pray that you would continue to create excitement that I know is building in people's hearts and in people's lives of, of what you are doing in their home, in their family, in their Sunday school class, wherever it may be. God, as I've been hearing stories from different people, God, I know it excites me. And so I pray that you would continue to build that excitement in our hearts. God, not because you know, maybe you know, things can go good at church or whatever, but God, because you're working, because you're moving. God, we want to see that. We want to be a part of your work, and we're thankful that we get to be a part of your work each and every day. So God, help us to be excited about that, wanting to wake up in the morning to serve you, to honor you, God, give us that passion. God, again, thank you for molding us and making us. Thank you for transforming us. Thank you for your word where we can see the truth. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for everything. And we pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Pastor Tim from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.